Hello beloveds, welcome to our today's teaching. I am yours in love, Josephine Hild. Kindly remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel on Josephine. Also come to our Facebook page, Josephine Hild Ministries, and on my page, Josephine Hill. We long to hear from you, your feedback. Also, if there is anything you'd like for us to produce a teaching about, kindly let us know so we can make teachings that you need to know about. So, as we begin again, I pray that our hearts be ready to receive from the Holy Spirit. I pray that our eyes of understanding be enlightened. And above all, I thank God because I know these teachings will not leave us the same. Our minds will be renewed, our lives will be transformed, and we shall be able to transform the whole world as well. So, thank you. Now, today I want us to study about redemption and salvation. You know, so many times we are unable to rightly divide between the works of redemption and the work of salvation. I also want us to look at the forgiveness of sins while at it. So I always remind us to, you know, to understand the gospel, to understand the finished works. It's good to always, and to always know and go back to where it all started. So let me take us back to Genesis just on a short run. You remember when God created Adam? Adam was in the presence of God. Adam had everything while he was in the presence of God. Adam was, you know, he was only he was in, you know, like in fellowship with God. Adam didn't know good or evil. But then and actually the word Adam means mankind. So all mankind was in Adam, courtesy of him being the first man that God created. So we see as time progresses that the serpent comes to deceive Eve. And we see through this deception, mankind falls. Now, what we need to understand today in terms of this falling of mankind is when God created Adam, we see it in Genesis 1.26, when he created him in his image, the Bible clarifies completely that the image of God that Adam had was dominion. So when God created Adam in his image, it was in the aspect of dominion. Adam was created as the creature that was above all other creatures on earth. Adam was before, he was before, you know, he was, he was before animals, he was before all the plants, he was before everything that God ever created on earth. So Adam's image of God that he had was dominion. Now, so many times when we think of creation, we only think of earth, you know, we only think of what we can see, that God created the, the, the trees, God created the rivers, God created the oceans and everything. But rarely do we really grasp what God said because it's written very clearly in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So we only know, we, from our carnal mind, we only understand of the, of the earth. But we forget that in the heaven, God also created so many other things, you know, spiritual beings. That's why Colossians 1.16 tells us, let us read, let us read from Colossians 1.16. Colossians 1.16 somehow, it helps us to understand more about the creation of God beyond what we can see with our carnal eyes, beyond what was on earth. Colossians 1.16 says, For by him all things were created that are in heaven, that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. I don't think we, we, we understood this again. He says, in heaven and on earth, and then there is visible and invisible. 
So whenever we think of earth, what, we, what comes into our minds mostly is visible. But then there is much more that God created that is invisible. And these are the things that are in the heavenly places. That's why in Ephesians chapter 1, let me show you again. Ephesians chapter 1, Ephesians chapter 1 tries to explain to us. So it says in 21, Far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named not only in this age but also in the age to come. I'm sharing this so that for us to understand just a little bit the, the, the aspect of the heavenly places, the aspect of the things that God created that are beyond what we can see, that are beyond the earth. So even though God created the heaven and earth, there is much more in the heaven. You know, most of the time when we think about heaven, we just think of God. But you see, there is heaven and there is heavenly places. That's why it is written, we are seated far above the heavenly places. So there is a realm called the heavenly places. There's a realm where there are principalities, there are powers, there are dominions, there are things that are invisible. Also, let me show you something else. In Ephesians chapter 6, Paul uh, helps us to understand something about that realm. Ephesians chapter 6 from verse 12. Pay attention to this and listen. He says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood. What is flesh and blood? Flesh and blood is people, is human beings. It is things that are on earth. We have flesh, we have blood. So are animals, they have flesh, they have blood. But he says, But against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. Actually, I want us to be stuck on that part. Spiritual host of wickedness in the heavenly places. That's why in the last teaching of sin, when I was teaching, I said, sin was there. Before Adam, sin was. But it took Adam for sin to come to mankind. Sin was there, but not with men. Sin was there, now we understand, in the heavenly places with those spiritual hosts of wickedness that Paul helps us understand in, a, in Ephesians chapter 6. So there were spiritual hosts of wickedness. There are so many dominions, there are so many powers, there are so many principalities, there are so many things that God created that are beyond us seeing in the natural, you know, with our natural sights. So, now let us go back to Genesis. Like I was saying, so God created mankind. Mankind was in Eden, you know. Mankind was just the way God created him. But then something happens. Through the serpent, spiritual host of wickedness, in this case we know him, he's Satan, he's the devil. You know, in Revelation chapter 12, we are revealed his name. He's Satan, he's the devil, he's the old serpent. So through the serpent, the devil comes and deceives Eve. Amen? So when he deceives Eve, he causes the first man who is Adam, because it is written in Romans chapter 5 that through one man sin came. So he, through the deception of Eve, you know, Adam, because Eve is his wife, he believes. So sin comes to the world. Sin enters through this disobedience. Amen? So from the time that the serpent deceives man and sin enters, now man begins being a different person. Actually, he doesn't have the dominion anymore. He has given the dominion to Satan. Actually, you remember I have said in these teachings that there is the heavenly places and there is the earth. So this spiritual host of wickedness, these powers, these dominions that were in the heavenly places, they were in their own dominion until one of them with Satan through the serpent now comes to invade 
you know, the dominion of mankind. So through deception, we now see Satan has taken, you know, the dominion of man. So Satan begins to reign in men. You know, there is now sin in men and men begin doing all kind of evil, all kind of wickedness. Now man is able to know good from evil. Man is now running away from God. So that was the fall of man. I want us to understand there. The fall of man came as a result of deception from Satan, you know, is the devil through the serpent. So that was the fall of man. That was the fall. That is how sin came. And when sin came, death reigned because the wages of sin is death. And when there was sin, there was the curses of sin. You know, whenever there is a law and it is not kept, there is a curse. So we see all kind of mess, all kind of evil, men dying. That's what we see in the Old Testament before the cross. That is the fall of man. Now, there is the work of called, called redemption. What is redemption? Redemption is now the plan of God or, or the, the works of God of buying back man from where Adam sold him. It is the work of God of destroying the works of the devil. It is written though in 1 John. Let us read about it. 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, he says, He who sins is of the devil, for the devil has sinned from the beginning. That's what I've been trying to explain. Before evil sin came to mankind, it was already there. We have seen there was a heavenly realm where there was sin. It's just that it hadn't come to mankind. For this purpose, actually we have read this scripture to concentrate on this part. For this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Which was the works of the devil? The works of the devil was him lying to mankind for him to break the law of God. And he did this so that he can take dominion of man. He took the dominion of man. You see, the moment Adam sinned, the moment Adam fell, we, we, we see the whole creation starting re rebelling against Adam. That's why Adam was kicked out of Eden, a place where he was meant to live and tend. That's why we see even when Adam starts having children, we see them killing each other. We see all kind of evil. When you study the Old Testament, you see all kind of evil and wickedness being done by men. Why? Because man has now fallen. Now the devil is domin dominating. The devil has taken the, the domination of Adam upon himself. So men are his slaves. That's why it is written, so he was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now the work of Jesus destroying the works of the devil is now what is called redemption. The works of the devil is sin. Through sin, the devil had the power to kill, to steal, and to destroy from man. So Jesus is manifested to destroy the works of the devil. And by destroying the works of the devil, Jesus is reconciling men to God. You see, when sin came, when the serpent deceived Adam, men fell, you know, men became alienated from God in their mind. That's why the next time we see God coming in the garden, Adam is running away. Why? Because he's, he's naked. Imagine somebody who has been living with God all along and he never used to be naked. All of a sudden he has realized that he's naked. Why? Because they acquired a knowledge you know, the knowledge of good and evil. So these were the works of the devil. The devil wanted to separate man from God. The devil wanted men to fall short of the glory of God. The devil deceived men, and they, he did this through the, through the flesh. So these are the works of the devil. And because the devil deceived men, and because now sin had come, the devil was reigning, he was killing. That's why it is written, death reigned from Adam to Moses. So in the days of the law of sin and death, you know, Satan reigned. Satan had dominion. Satan actually could do whatever he wanted to do with mankind. 
So the Son of God now has been manifested to destroy the works of the devil. The works of the devil which alienated man from God are the ones that Jesus is going to destroy. So does this mean Jesus is coming to reconcile man back to God? Did he do it? Let us look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5 where we see Paul explaining very well. Now, from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we will understand the works of redemption. It is written, Now all things are of God. Amen. So Jesus came after destroying the works of the devil. He restored all things that were of God. The dominion that belonged to God that he gave to Adam, that Satan had taken, Jesus came to reconcile. Jesus came to return everything that was of God. So now all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself through Jesus Christ and he has given us the ministry of reconciliation. So the gospel we preach to you today is, is, is the work of God, is the work of redemption. It is reconciliation. We preach this gospel so that men can believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and come back to union with God. So 19 he says, that is that God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself, not imputing their trespasses, and that he has committed to us the word of reconciliation. Did you see that? God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. God was in Christ reconciling not just the believer, not just this kind, not just the Jew or the Gentile, but the entire world. Why? Because all mankind got lost or fell through Adam. When Adam fell, all mankind fell in him. So when Jesus is coming to reconcile, he is reconciling all mankind to God because all mankind was in Adam. That's why Jesus is called the last Adam. So he is reconciling all mankind to himself. He's not imputing their sin. He's not judging. He is reconciling. Now this is the works of redemption. Redemption, a simple definition of it will be buying back which was yours and was lost. Now you are taking it back. Taking back what was yours. So God, through Jesus Christ, took back the world to himself. He took back, back the entire mankind. He took back everything. Because when Adam felt Satan had dominion, he had dominion over the man, he had dominion over the earth, he corrupted everything, even the animals. That's why even today in Romans chapter 8, it is written that the creation, you know, it's groans in expectation for the sons of God. You know, it awaits the manifestation of the sons of God. This is what happened on, on, on the cross. Jesus reconciled the world to himself. The moment that has been awaited for came. The creation that was groaning, you know, groaning in the, in the, in the birth pangs of the works of the wicked one. Jesus came to destroy. Was he successful? Yes. Is all the world reconciled to God? Yes. It is written very clearly. God was in Christ reconciling the world back to himself. So all things are of God. Satan owns nothing. Satan has power over nothing. Satan has dominion over nothing. Even in Colossians 2, 15, it says, let me read it for you, the work of, re of redemption. Colossians chapter 2. You know, so many times you, you exalt the devil. You make him look like he has power, like he has authority. While, see what Jesus did to him. Colossians 2, 15. He says what? Having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public, a public spectacle over them, tramping over them in it. So what did Jesus do? He disarmed. He disarmed. 
Satan and his gang, Satan and his kind, he disarmed them. What does it mean to disarm? To disarm it means taking all the power they had, taking all the dominion they had, any weapon they had, everything they had, they are disarmed. When you go to war and you have no arm, it's as good as there is no war because you're already defeated. So Satan was disarmed, principalities were disarmed, powers were disarmed, heavenly rulership, they were all disarmed. All authority belongs to Jesus. That's why even in Revelation 1 we see Jesus introducing himself as the one who holds the key of death and Hades. You know, Satan has no power even to kill. He cannot kill. Even where you call hell, where you say Satan is, he doesn't own. Satan is nothing and he owns nothing and he has power to do nothing. The only thing he can do is what he has been allowed to do. That's why Jesus Christ is called the head of principalities. Why? Because he disarmed them. He took all the dominion from them. So this is the work of redemption. Jesus coming to bring the creation, to bring mankind, to bring all things of God in the position in which they were before deception came, before the serpent deceived them, before the fall came. So was Jesus successful? Yes. As we speak today after the cross, after the finished works, all the entire world, all mankind has been redeemed back to God. God owns everything. God is no longer alienated from men. God is no longer angry. You know, that's why it is written the only mediator between man and God is Jesus Christ. So there is a mediation that is going on because the, the root, the enmity has been brought down. So there is now a communication between men and God. Amen. That is redemption. Redemption was for all men. Redemption was by the blood of Jesus. Redemption was the works of God. Redemption was the responsibility of God. Why? Because he was taking care of Adam's mess. The mess that caused men to fall away was not yours. It was Adam's. So it was God's responsibility to fix that mess because he couldn't account it on you. So all that work has been finished. Now there is another part called salvation. We did a whole teaching about salvation, so I'll just mention in a few for us to understand the difference between redemption and salvation. Salvation now is where all men can receive eternal life by faith in Jesus Christ. Why? Because all men have been restored. They have been redeemed back to Eden. Remember, when, it, when, when Adam was at Eden, it was as simple as there is a choice before you. There is a choice of, of life, there is a choice of death. Now you choose, which one will you eat? Now that is where mankind is today. Mankind is back in Eden, mankind is back in the presence of God, and before mankind is a choice to choose life or to choose death. That's why John 3.16 is very clear and it says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. It goes ahead to say, he who believes is saved. He who does not believe is condemned already. Why? Because before you, there is the choice for you to make, to choose between life and between death. Life now is the works of Jesus. Life is faith. When the gospel is preached to you, you have the option of believing it. When you believe, God responds by sealing you with his Holy Spirit. Now that is a choice upon you. The work of redemption was of God. The work of forgiveness of sin was of God. You see, when redemption came, so did forgiveness. Why? Let me show you something. Let's go to Hebrews chapter 9. 
You know, so many times religion has taught us that for you to be forgiven, you need to confess for every, you know, every error you make, every mistake that you make, you need to con you need to confess. There are so many times that we've been taught every morning you wake up, you have to sanctify yourself by by you know by repenting. We've been told that every evening before you go to sleep, you have to repent. Maybe you've you've done some errors in the day and you didn't know. I remember we used to be told that it is there is an error of omission and errors of commission. So when you repent or when you confess, you remember to include them because there are so many bad things you've done that you're not even sure of. That's what religion taught us. But what does God say? Let's look at Hebrews chapter 9. Hebrews chapter 9 verse 22. In Hebrews chapter 9, I love this scripture. It says, it's comparing between the sacrifice of, you know, the Old Testament sacrifice and the sacrifice of Christ, the heavenly tabernacle and the tabernacle of men. It says, and according to the law, almost all things are purified with blood. And without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So what does this mean? The works of forgiveness are of God. In short, forgiveness could only come by the shedding of blood. Forgiveness, let me say again, the wages of sin was death. The wages of sin is not confession. The wages of sin is not you repenting. The wages of sin is not you praying 15 times. The wages of sin is death. If there was ever sin in this world, the only way it could be paid for was by death. That's why Jesus had to die. That's why Jesus had to shed his blood. The moment Jesus shed his blood, it was clear announcement that forgiveness has come to mankind. Sin required the blood being poured. That's why it is said, without the shedding of blood, there is no remission. So the day the blood of Jesus was shed, all sin was remitted. That's why we sing in our songs today, Jesus paid it all. That's why we said, there is no debt. Jesus has paid it all. What was the debt that Jesus was paying? He paid the debt of sin. What was the debt? What was the payment? It was his blood. Sin was paid for by the blood of Jesus. So man does not need to confess. Man does not need to repent 15 times a day. Man does not have to, to live in the consciousness of I sinned here, I sinned there. In Hebrews, the same Hebrews, God says, their sins and iniquities I will remember no more. God doesn't even have a memory of what you did. It is only in your mind. Why? Because the blood of Jesus, the precious, powerful blood of Jesus satisfied God eternally. It silenced the voice of sin forever. That's why in the same Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 5. Let me read for you just a minute. Hebrews chapter 5. I love this scripture. Hebrews chapter 5. We saw this when we were studying about, about sin. It is Hebrews chapter 10. Sorry. In Hebrews chapter 10, when Jesus is testifying about his body, about coming to do the will of God. Just listen. You remember, I, I, I compared to you how in the Old Testament, they used to carry out sacrifices of sin. So Israel used to do sin sacrifice every year. And in it, it's here, it is recorded that every year they used to have a memory of their sin. Can you imagine living a life where every year you have to be reminded of, of everything that you have done? So every year that when they, whenever they did this sacrifice, it was a reminder of their sin. But then there is something here. That was only a shadow of Jesus' sacrifice. So when Jesus came to bring his body, it was for taking away of sin once and for all. After the body of Jesus took away the sin of the world, 
God has no memory of your wrongdoing. He doesn't. Because there is nothing you'll ever do to call it wrong that is so powerful than the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus took care of all sin. The blood of Jesus paid all the debt. God is satisfied. God is pleased. The things that we do that we call sin or we call evil, what they do is that they destroy the relationship between us and, and the other men. Imagine now if you, if you took that which does not belong to you. What will happen? The law of your country will, will, will be upon you. You will be jailed or anything of that kind could happen. So whenever you do these things, you know, these things that people call sin, they don't affect your relationship with God because God is eternally pleased with you by the blood of Jesus. But they destroy your relationship with people. The reason why we renew our minds to walk in the spirit, to walk in the finished works, is so that we can have a peaceful relation, a harmonious relationship with all mankind. You cannot go and sleep with somebody's wife just because it is written that the law has been fulfilled. You will have to deal with his husband, you know. The people, the people that you, you mess against, they will have to deal with you. But that, does that change that you are a son of God? No, but you will suffer. So the renewal of the mind helps us not only to appreciate the finished works, but also to live harmoniously with others. Like I was saying about Hebrews 10, Jesus is testifying of his body. He says, therefore, when he came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire. I love this scripture. So all these sacrifices that Israelites were doing, all these kind of sacrifices, they had so many, they had peace offering, sin offering, they offered bulls, they offered turtle doves, they had so many for each and every transgression of the law. And it is written very, very right straight away that God did not desire them. Then, but a body you have prepared for me. So the body of Jesus was prepared for coming here to take the sin of the world away, for coming here to fulfill the redemptive purpose of God for coming here so that God could be in it to reconcile the world to himself. So God has reconciled the, the world to himself, that is redemption. God has forgiven all mankind, how? By the remission of the blood of Jesus. The moment the blood of Jesus was shed, all men are forgiven. Now what is happening? What is happening now is that salvation is ongoing, how? When we preach the gospel and you believe, God seals you. You become his son. When we preach the gospel and you believe, you are resurrected from death to life. When you preach the gospel and you believe, you move from darkness to light. When you preach the gospel and you believe, you are made a new creation by faith in Jesus. So this is what is happening. The redemption was the work of God. There is nothing he requires from you. God needed no help of man to redeem himself. That's why God himself became flesh and he came on earth to destroy the works of the devil. That's why God was in Christ reconciling the world to himself. That was his business. The covenant is between God and himself. He came and fulfilled it. The work of forgiveness also that is the work of God. Why? Because the wage of sin is death and the death the death that sin demanded was the death of a perfect lamb. So God offered a blameless, perfect lamb of his. It's called Jesus Christ. The blood of Jesus being shed was the remission of sin. So even forgiveness, God has offered. That is work, is redemptive work. All men are forgiven. 
all men are reconciled, not just men, the entire world has been reconciled. The dominion that Adam gave to Satan has been taken back. That's why Jesus says in, in Matthew chapter, chapter 18, he says, you know what? All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. That's why he said, you have the power, whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Why was Jesus saying so? He was just saying, I have all the dominion. I have all the power. I have all the authority. And the same power and authority he had now is in you who believes. As he is, you are. Amen. So the work of redemption was God's. He fulfilled it. The work of forgiveness that is now as a result of redemption, it is his. All men are forgiven. Now the work of salvation is God's too. When we preach the gospel and you believe. So your responsibility is what? To believe. So whenever we preach and say all men are redeemed, it doesn't mean that all men are saved. It doesn't mean that, that all men are of God, you know, like sons of God. It doesn't mean that all men are in heaven. It doesn't mean that all men uh, have eternal life, no. To say that all men are redeemed, to say that the entire world has been reconciled to God, it means that the dominion that had been sold to, to Satan, who had the power to kill, has been taken back. Now Jesus is the head of principalities. Jesus is the firstborn of the Father. Jesus is the head of his church. Jesus is the Alpha and Omega. Jesus is everything. He holds even the keys of death and headaches. It means all dominion of God is back to God. Satan has no dominion. Satan has no authority. Satan has no power. He is defeated. He is disarmed. It also means that all men have been cleaned so that now they can go and receive from the tree of life. I always remind you, when Adam sinned, what happened? He was kicked out of the garden. What did God say? God said, you know, behold, the man has eaten from the tree. Now he, he has become like one of us. He is able to know good and evil. The moment Adam was able to know good and evil, he was kicked out. Because there is something else that God said. He said, before he comes and takes from the tree of life and lives forever, let us, you know, let us kick him out. So Adam was kicked out. So Adam being kicked out was for God now to redeem, was for God now to clean his mess, was for God now to, to fix all this, all this corruption that had come upon the, the creation of God. Was he successful? Yes. On the cross, Jesus said, it is finished. What did he mean? It, mean, it meant all redemption is finished. Forgiveness is done. Reconciliation is finished. So what remains when this good news is preached to mankind, they believe. What does this mean? It also means mankind is back to Eden. Mankind is now clean. You see the way Adam was kicked out so that the mess can be cleared? Now the mess has been cleared. Adam is back. Now what next? Adam, you are back. Back to the beginning. There's a tree of life. There's a tree of death. Now choose. In this age we are living in, no one can do something and then say, you know, it is human nature. Nobody can do something and, and then say, oh, it is the evil spirit that lied to me. No. When Adam sinned, that was his excuse. He said, this woman you've given me, if thank God he didn't ask Eve because Eve would have said, actually he said, she said, she said, it is the serpent who deceived me. In this age we are living in, you cannot accuse the serpent, you cannot accuse evil spirits, you cannot accuse even Adam of your own mistake. Why? Because God has already cleaned this mess. 
you are clean now to receive from the tree of life. When you reject this, you condemn yourself. That's why when you refuse the gospel, you die a natural man and there is no resurrection for you. That's why when you refuse the gospel, you are eternally separated from God. Even though you are breathing and walking on earth, you are just a dead man walking. You are in the grave. Until you hear the gospel and believe it, you are a dead man. Yet the good news is, whenever we preach this gospel, it is the power of God. I believe he saves people. So as you are listening to this, probably you have believed in Jesus. Yeah, You believe Jesus is the son of God. He came in the flesh. He died. You know, he bore your sin. Beloved, Jesus bore your sin. There is no sin left in you. Jesus bore it all. His death was the death of your sin. His, his burial was your judgment. There is no judgment awaiting you if you come to Christ. If you believe in Jesus, Jesus bore your judgment. How about you believe in this one, in this God who bore your sin, who died your death and resurrected for your life? Believe. And he has said when you believe, he sends you his Holy Spirit. You know, there is no formula. There is no singing and jumping and dancing. Whenever you believe the gospel, it is God's responsibility to seal you with the Spirit. And God does not lie. God loves you. God died for you. God put on a body and came on earth and died for you. You are forgiven. No matter where you are, no matter what you have done, I want you to know that the blood of Jesus was shed for you. The blood of Jesus paid for every mistake you think you've ever done. There is no mistake, there is no crime you'll ever commit that is greater than the blood of Jesus. The blood of Jesus is powerful. It has washed you as white as snow. I just need you to believe. Wherever you are, just say, Lord, Lord Jesus, I believe. Believe. He will send you his Holy Spirit. Salvation is so simple. It takes so much education to complicate it. Salvation is simple. Jesus did it all. So what is required of you? Believe. That's why the most famous scripture, the most famous scripture, John 3:16 says what? That whoever believes, it does not say whoever confesses 15 times a day. It does not say whoever counts his mistakes. It does not say whoever has the sin of omission and of it says whoever believes. It does not even say the one who gives. It does not even say the one who tithes. It is very simple. Whoever believes, and who is whoever, whoever is any human being, it doesn't matter where you are and what you've done. If you believe in the gospel, God has saved you. God seals you and you live eternally and you become a son of God. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you and God bless you. Amen.